You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. strange juxtaposition um i i opened twitter today always a bad idea and i see that well uh, someone some feminist probably has started another trendy hashtag campaign and the hashtag is um it's if men had periods hashtag if men had periods and this this is the kind of really intelligent interesting conversation that happens all the time on twitter and so you have, a, you have a bunch of people talking about how if men had periods, if we menstruated, we would be, uh, you know, I guess, com- com- complaining about it constantly and people would, uh, people would care more about it. They'd be more sympathetic because people care more about men. Don't you understand? Um, and, uh, and the patriarchy and there's sexism and there's misogyny and just everything else is, you know, so you get the point. Men, um, according to these feminists, however couldn't handle having periods because hashtag masculinity is so fragile. We're, we're very fragile. We're wusses. We're wimps. We can't handle it. Um, we're weak, weak, fragile human beings. Now, so that was the whole point. That's the whole point that they were trying to make with this uh, trending. I think it was number one on Twitter, Twitter for, for a while. Now, First of all, and this isn't the point that I want to talk about, but, but just for the record, as far as this goes, I fully believe and am sympathetic to the fact that periods, and I can't believe that I'm, I can't believe I'm having this conversation, but I am, it's happening. So I, I believe that, you know, having a period or giving birth, these are probably very uncomfortable experiences. I, I, I know that I, I don't know it from experience, but... I can believe it. I've been told many times I can believe it. But look, this, this uh, men could never handle it stuff. And we hear that all the time. The men could never handle. They could never handle this. Men could never, they could never deal with it. Okay, well, you know, tell that to the men who haul 70-pound rucksacks across the desert and fight our wars for us. T- tell that to the men who marched across North Africa in World War II, stormed the beaches in Normandy. Tell that to the men who, who build the bridges in this country and dig the ditches, repair the roofs in this society. I mean, this is almost all men doing all this stuff. That, that's, that's the fact of the matter. So men can't handle pain, can't handle discomfort. Actually, society has relied upon men to be the ones to do just that. That's not only can we and do we, but, men, but society needs us to. That's, that's literally our job is to be the ones who deal with physical pain and discomfort. So, you know, give it a rest, feminists. Give it a rest. I'm not discounting the, the pain that's unique to women, the experiences, the discomforts that are unique to, to women to being a woman. But when you discount men in that way, it's just absurd. Not only does it show a complete lack of gratitude, a complete ignorance of, of history and of the way society works, but it's, it's, it's just stupid. It's ridiculous. 
It's not based in anything. Now, that said, and I can't believe I'm continuing this conversation, I'll admit that there is a bit of a strange dichotomy here that I've observed. You know, the stereotype that you hear is that men, we can't handle colds, we can't handle sickness like women do. Yeah, we can lift the heavy things, we can even be shot, you know, or, or, or injured in some gruesome way and deal with that. But sickness is a different matter. Um, and it's not true. Look, it's not true that we can't handle it. We can handle it. But I have noticed that I'm affected sometimes more than my wife by that kind of pain, that kind of discomfort, the internal, you know, the sickness kind of thing. If I have a bad cold, I had one last week, actually. I functioned. Okay. I didn't whine all the time about it. I went about my business. I did what I had to do, but it really sucked. It did. And I wasn't totally myself for, for, for that period of time. I felt like I was dying. It was awful, but I mean, I, you know, that doesn't really matter because I continued along and I did what I had to do. Uh, but it did, you know, it knocked me down pretty good. It, it affected me. My wife can get the same thing, and sometimes this will happen. That, and I kind of hate it, actually. When, when I get a, a cold first, it's, it al- it's always unfortunate to be the first one in the house to get the sickness because you, you don't see, you'll react to it a certain way, and it's really bad to you, and then you'll pass it along to somebody else, and they'll just take it like a champ. And they'll say, I don't know what you were complaining about. This isn't so bad. They make you feel like a wuss, right? It's always best to be the second person to get this. Better not to get it at all. But if you're going to get it, be the second person so that you can at least be tougher about it than the first person and make them feel bad, okay? That's what we should be doing. That's what we should worry about when we, when we get sick. Anyway, about, about, about competition, right? But my wife can get the same thing, and, and uh, she'll, she'll be a little more chipper, you know, seemingly not as affected by it, which is interesting. Contrast that with physical outward pain and injury, and it's the reverse. I, for instance, um, I, I injured my back when I was 13. I've had back problems ever since. I never go to the doctor. My wife complains about that. I never go to the doctor. I never talk about it, except for right now I am. But uh, I, I'm in discomfort a lot of the time because of it. But I just, you know, just kind of deal with it silently. I have issues with my jaw, constant pain in my jaw. Again, I don't talk about it. I just continue along. I can go and work out, maybe strain a muscle or something. My wife won't even know about it because I won't tell her. Like two weeks later, she'll see me sitting awkwardly and she'll ask me why. And then I'll say, oh yeah, two weeks ago, I I hurt myself pretty bad. She'll say, you're just telling me now you should have went to the doctor. So now my wife, if she gets that kind of, if she gets an injury of that sort, unlike with the sickness, I'm more likely to know about it because she'll, you know, she'll talk about it. She doesn't have the same tolerance for that kind of thing like she does for sickness. So it's a strange, it's a strange uh, dichotomy. It's interesting. I can't explain it. I think our, our dynamic in, in my home is pretty common. I don't know why. I don't know why it works that way. Uh, but I do know that it's a product of the natural differences between the genders because we are different. And they're just right, right down the line. Everything you look at when you're comparing the genders, everything about us is different. Every, every inch of us is different. Physically, physiologically, psychologically, you know, everything is different. And, and also, hopefully, if they're kind of uh, manifested in the right way, complementary. That's the fact. The genders are different. 
It's just one example. And these days, but these days we pretend we're not. Until, until, and this is the fascinating thing, until we get to a subject like this. And suddenly feminists are like, well, men don't understand. Men don't understand. But that's the weird juxtaposition that I mentioned. When the biological difference, the, the, the gender binary is acknowledged, it seems like, only in certain circumstances. You know, we hear, oh, if men knew what it was like to have periods, if men knew what it was, if men only knew what it was like, men can't understand. That's what liberal feminists will say. And I'll think, but wait a minute, I thought that men can have periods, can't they? Men can give birth. What are you talking about we don't understand? If a woman transitions into a man and has a period, is she not a man having a period? Is she not a he? Is she somehow less a biological man than, than a biological man? Well, the answer, of course, is that she's not a man at all. You know, she is less of a man in the sense that she's not a man at all. Uh, because nobody can go from one side to the other. Nobody can chip, change teams in the middle of the inning. You know, you can't do that. But according to our culture, according to liberalism, gender is not uh, binary. It's completely fluid. And, and a person can be any one of like 768 different genders or a combination of all of them, a sort of grab bag, an assorted jelly bean kind of gender situation. But certainly they tell us that a man, a real man, an actual man can have a period because a real actual man could have been born a real actual woman. That's what we're told, right? So what is this all about? What is this men can't understand thing? See, you forfeit it. You sacrifice. As soon as you jump on board the quote unquote transgender bandwagon, as soon as you do that, you forfeit all the, you can't say any of this anymore. All of these points such as they are, all of these arguments, if you can call it that, you can't, you've given them up. They're out the window. You don't get them anymore. They're gone. Because what does it mean to say men can't understand? Men do understand. And, and what about a man who becomes a woman? Okay, now he won't menstruate. Uh, maybe he will menstruate if he really, really, really believes. I mean, like Peter Pan. If you really, really, really believe you can fly, you can fly. So maybe if a man really, really, really believes he's a woman, then he could menstruate. I don't know. But even if he doesn't, is he less a woman? Can he not relate to the woman experience? Are you, as a liberal feminist, are you going to go to a quote-unquote trans woman, a man dressed up as a woman, are you going to tell him, or excuse me, her, that she is not a real woman and that she cannot relate to other women? Are you going to tell her that, you transphobe, you bigot? Well, the answer, of course, is that he's not a woman and he can't relate. But liberals won't say that, will they? They won't say that. If they did say that, then there wouldn't be any conflict here. We could just continue on. But they won't say that. So what's the deal? What's going on? Okay, let's, let's look at, here's another example. Something in Time Magazine last week. Uh, maybe you saw this making the rounds on Facebook. It's pretty disturbing. It was an article titled, My Brother's Pregnancy, My Brother's Pregnancy, and the Making of a New American Family. Accompanied by a truly revolting, truly disturbing picture of a person, a hairy person with a beard, dressed as a man, breastfeeding. And it's really a woman, of course, 
she's been taking hormones to look like a man. And then she, but she decided she wanted to get pregnant anyway and have a child. So let me just read a couple of uh, excerpts from this nightmare of an article. Uh, Okay. It says, my brother Evan was born female. He came out as transgender 16 years ago, but never stopped wanting to have a baby. This spring, he gave birth to his first child. Now, as, as, a, as a transphobic person myself, I would, uh, I would suggest that if someone has an innate desire to have a baby come out of them, then that's, and, they're, and they were born with a uterus, that's a really good indication that, in fact, they're not a man. That's like the definition of not being a man, right? The article goes on. Um, this, this is a funny passage. If you, I mean, you, know, you got to laugh sometimes. She says, uh, we have come to the point where the backlash against these rapid changes has manifested in sometimes surreal fashion, as it did earlier this year during the so-called Battle of the Bathroom. Surreal. Now, this is someone who wrote an article titled My Brother's Pregnancy, and she's calling the people who react uh, surprised at that kind of notion surreal. We're the surreal ones, not the hairy person with the beard breastfeeding a child. No, that's not surreal. We're the surreal ones because we're not on board. We're not on board. So that's what's surreal. Like you've, you've got stocky, uh, hairy Evan walking out saying, Hey, I'm having a baby. And the rest of us say, Whoa. And then Evan says, Whoa, that was a surreal reaction. That's so surreal. Like, I can't believe that reaction. What a weird reaction from those people. Uh, what's the problem? That paragraph goes on and says, uh, there have been reports of increased violence directed at transgender people. At least 21 trans Americans were murdered in 2015, according to the Human Rights Campaign, up 60% from the year before. This is something that uh, liberals often do, and it's, it's pretty disgusting. Now, remember, this is in the context of saying that there's you know, backlash and hatred towards trans people. And then, and, then, and then she says, 21 trans people have been murdered. Okay, so? The obvious insinuation is that they were all murdered in some kind of anti-trans attack. But that's not the case at all. These are just, just murder statistics with the assumption that they were all murdered for that reason. Which, by the way, 21 is not that many in the first place. Find me any demographic with, with less than 21 murders to its name in, uh, in, in one single year. I don't think you're going to find. Find me any demographic that has been murdered less than 21 times in any given year in America. I, 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 don't, think you'll find, I, I don't think you'll find a single one, actually. But the fact of the matter is that these trans people, because they're mentally disordered, tend to live high-risk lifestyles. And they're prostitutes, they're drug addicts, they're on the street, and that's how they get murdered. Not because of anti-trans violence. Really relevant passage. It says, pregnancies like Evans, and the many that are likely to follow, will stretch our cultural perceptions of gender norms even further. Americans are just starting to open up to the idea that you may be born into a female body, but I but believe that you are really a man. But what if you're born into a female body, know you are a man, and still want to participate in the traditionally exclusive right of womanhood? What kind of man are you then? This question can bother people. It can make them uncomfortable. That's partly why when Evan texted me to say, I'm pregnant, I was excited for him, but also frightened. I thought about what strangers might say to my bearded, big-bellied little brother when he was nine months along. Nine months along. And I wondered, would he be safe? And that's the other thing I wanted to focus on. 
would he be safe? The answer is yes, he'll be safe. He'll be applauded, treated as a conquering hero. She, I should say. Man, this really gets this gets this gets confusing after a while, and you get and you, that's that's the thing. The way that they liberals mess with language, it gets so confusing, and you have to stop yourself from adopting it in mid sentence, like I just did there. And I'm the last one, but you know, she, she, she. I'm the last one to go to play the the pronoun game. But it's easy to get confused when you read it. When you read a sentence like "bearded, big-bellied little brother," and you think, "Oh, he, right, yeah," your your brain just does that. But no, we're talking about a woman. This is a she. So all this attention on her, on quote unquote Evan, how does she feel? Is she okay? What's going on with her? And the question is never asked because nobody seems to care. What about the child? What about the kid who's going to grow up with a bearded mom who pretends to be his dad? What about him? The kid, the child, the baby. There's no concern about that at all, is there? No concern. And that's the thing about all this transgender stuff. All this, all, all this gender stuff in general. This gender spectrum stuff. Is that, yeah, there's a lot of mental illness at work here. A lot of psychological dysfunction. But even beyond that, you know, there's something else that nobody talks about. Selfishness. Selfishness. Incredible, suffocating inconceivable selfishness. And that's where a lot of this transgender nonsense stems from, selfishness. Because it's all about what I want, right? How I want to live. My child be damned, my family be damned. Everyone just deal with it because I'm the most important. My desires, my fetishes, uh, my comfort. Don't like sharing a bathroom with me? Too bad. You're the problem, not me, because it's all about me, 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 me. That's all that matters. And I know that you're dealing with a mentally disordered person. But when I look at uh, this image of a woman dressed up like a man who's taking hormone pills so that she grows a beard and grows hair all over her body, you know, gets out, out of, grows bigger and fatter, overweight, all these things are consequences of the hormones that she's taking. And she does all that and she says, you know what? I still want to have a baby because that's what I want. It's what I want. And I'm going to have what I want. And I look at that and I think about that and I think this, what else can you call this but selfishness? Is the selfishness a product of the mental illness? Or is, is the selfishness so profound so deep so all-encompassing in this person's head that it, it itself causes the mental disorder the hallucination the delusion i don't know you know they i don't have the i don't have the answer to that question the chicken or egg question but what i do know is that there's a lot of selfishness mixed up in all this and there's a tendency even among the very few people who will stand up to the lgbt lobby on this topic or on any topic who won't go along with this quote-unquote transgender nonsense, even among us, us few, we few people that won't cooperate, that will resist, will stand against it. There's a tendency even among us to look at the uh, quote-unquote transgender quote-unquote community and say, well, they're all victims of mental disorder, probably abuse when, you know, growing up, all, all kinds of things that fed into it. And all of that is true. Okay, all of that is true, and we can't lose sight of that. 
that they are mentally disordered, they probably, you know, it's almost certain that they were victimized as a child in some way. But we can't take out or completely ignore the free will, the choice, the decision of the individual, the selfishness underlying it. We have to acknowledge that. And selfishness is at the root of, uh, of all sin. You know, we, 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 the, the root of, of all evil in the world throughout history is selfishness, the worship of the self. We're all guilty of it. All the sins we commit, it all goes back to selfishness. And that's why we should recognize it in this situation as politically incorrect as it is. We should recognize it because we'll never really get to the heart of the matter. We'll never make any progress. We'll never solve anything if we don't recognize what lies underneath all of it. Selfishness. All right. That's going to do it for me. I'll talk to you guys in a couple uh, uh, days. I'll try to do two again this week, but you don't know. It's a, I mean, it's, you never know exactly what, what I'm going to do. It's a great strain on me to do two podcasts a week, and I have to take a lot of breaks like Hillary Clinton does from the campaign trail just to recuperate and so that I don't, I don't break out into coughing fits and all that. So we'll see what happens. Akruche Salus, Godspeed, everybody.